hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, the nation's public radio source for all news information, tips and techniques about building your personal financial independence through real estate. And we have a very special topic today. All our, all, all our topics are special. All our, all our topics are wonderful. But this is a particularly wonderful and special topic today uh, because we're going to talk about a relatively new strategy called flipping lease options. And we're going to talk about it from a Uh, in part a particular perspective, which is how to do those and other types of sandwiching strategies ethically. My guest today is Joe McCall, who started out in actually a completely different niche in real estate investing, found himself in some of the same high equity, low cash flow problems that a lot of real estate investors do and develop this strategy of wholesaling lease options. As a result, he is joining us now by phone. Joe, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Thank you very much. Hi, Joe. Um, uh, glad to have you on today. Um, we sent out the weekly e-letter with the topic, how to ethically flip lease options. And that, <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a topic that uh, we definitely need to address because there's a, there's a lot of strategies out there like this where you are, you are working with people on both sides of the real estate transaction and uh, it's really largely your ethics that drive whether it is successful for everybody else or not. But before we get into the details on that, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in this strategy. Well, um, I was, I bought tons of courses and I, I was always looking for uh, a new niche, something that fit for me and worked for me. And I had purchased a bunch of homes and, uh, between 2004 and 2006. And, um, oh, I, I say a bunch, I mean like 15, 16. And, um, then the market collapsed and all of a sudden I went from equity rich, cash poor to, equity poor and cash poor. And um, I started, I, you know, took the dust off of all of my old courses and almost all of them said that wholesaling is the uh, the best thing that you need to start and you need to learn how to do and because uh, that pays the bills. And all these other strategies are really good. They have good back-end paydays, but what are you going to do to fill in the valleys, you know? And so I thought to myself, I need to learn wholesaling um, to help my cash problem. And at the same time, I loved lease options because with an option, you can control property without owning it. 
And uh, but anyway, I was start I was wholesaling a bunch of homes actually, and I, you know the, the courses that I had talked about marketing and postcards, and I just said, you know what, I'm not going to question what they say. I'm just going to do it. And uh, to my surprise, honestly, it worked. And I, you know, I heard all these stories of testimonials of people making money in real estate, but it never happened to me. And all of a sudden, I was wholesaling and I was starting making money. But I was throwing away a ton of leads. And um, a lot of leads, they didn't have equity, or if they did, they weren't willing to share any of it with me. And um, so I asked myself, just why can't I do something with these leads that don't have any equity or very little equity? and that I'm just throwing away. And I asked myself, why can't I wholesale lease options? And so that kind of got me on the journey about three years ago into uh, the strategy. I didn't invent it. Um, I kind of coined the term wholesaling lease options. Um, But there's other people that have been doing this for a long time. And I just kind of, I bought a lot of courses on lease options and I kind of, through trial and error, blood, sweat, and tears, figured out um, a really good way to do it that is ethical and I really believe above board, and you really do create win-win-win for uh, everybody involved. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, um, we're going to discuss in in some depth of detail what win-win means because the uh, yeah, uh, that's overused. <laughs> yeah, and a lot. I mean, a lot of a lot of stra- strategies. If people just just understand the surface of them. They, they understand the how-to, and they see the profit potential. Um, many new investors don't have the frame of reference to think off into the future what's going to happen after they get paid and are out of the deal, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen right. to the other people involved. And uh, I, I kind of understand that because if you, you know, if you don't understand what, the, what some of the, the, the pitfalls, if you will, of lease options are in general, how are you going to understand that when you leave that deal, these are the things that could happen. Okay, so so I get it, but but what we're going to do today is we're going to make them think about it, <laughs> and, yeah, and and do things and do things right to begin with. But I think we need to probably have a brief lesson on what in the world it means to wholesale a lease option. Yes. Um, well, it's basically getting a property under a lease option contract that gives you the right to assign it or sublease it if you want. So. On my contracts, I could stay in the middle if I want, do a normal traditional sandwich lease option, um, or I could assign my interest in that option to somebody else. Now, a, a lease option is simply leasing a property with an option to buy it in the future. It could be six months, 12 months, two years, five years, 10 years. Options are great ways to control property um, and I don't know of any state where options are illegal. They're very, very valid. It's just a, a contract with a optional date in the future that you could close on the property if you wanted to. Um, so uh, when I wholesale lease option, instead of, you know, in the traditional sense of wholesaling to a cash buyer, an investor for rehab, you know, you're wholesaling a property to an investor um, I'm wholesaling a property to a tenant buyer, somebody that is going to buy the home, hopefully in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, the more the more typical strategy that, that you hear about in regards to using lease options as an investor to make money in real estate is along the lines of what's called a sandwich lease. Right. Where, uh, so I, I find someone who wants to sell their house, but typically 
there's no equity or even if there is equity, they want more than you would ever pay if you were bringing your own money to the table, that sort of thing. Right. So you lease the property from them with an option to buy it at one price. And then you turn around and lease the property to another guy with an option to buy it at a higher price. And of course, higher payments every month and a higher upfront payment and so on. And that, that, that's that been around for, oh gosh, I probably probably long before you and I were ever born. Yes. Uh, the The issue with that kind of sandwich lease option as as folks have practiced it over the years, is that uh, realistically you are a landlord in that mm-hmm. situation. I mean, you are you are you you are both the tenant and the landlord. But from from the point of view of now, you have lease optioned it to someone else. Um, if they have a maintenance call, you're supposed to take care of it. If they don't pay their rent, you have right. to evict them. And that that has been uh, that has been problematic on properties where the cash flow, where the monthly payment mm-hmm. is not enough to justify that work. Yeah, I, I've seen people do lease options um, where basically all the money was in the back end. You know, the money, there's $20,000 worth of equity when and if the tenant buys, but every month they make $2.37 in cash yeah. flow because that's just that's just <laughs> all there is. You know, that's between what they've negotiated from the the seller and what they can negotiate with the buyer, there's just very, very low or no cash flow. And this uh, this concept that you have of, of flipping lease options or, or what's also called cooperative lease options takes you out of the center of it for the purposes of what happens after the property is leased to a tenant buyer. Correct, yes. And that is also where the potential ethical problems come in, <laughs> because right. it is uh, it is it's easy to imagine uh, an investor who let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they didn't know any better going to a seller and saying I will give you I will give you one hundred and sixty thousand dollars for your house and I will give that to you in payments of twelve hundred dollars a month with no money down and then turning around and just finding the first tenant who will sign a lease that says twelve hundred dollars a month and and can put ten thousand dollars down and in this concept of of flipping the lease option that that ten thousand dollars down that the that in my example my made-up example there is what you as the investor would be making, that's that's all the profit in the deal. So you step out, this person who really can't afford the unit and uh, is going to stop making payments after two months, and oh, by the way, they've got six Rottweilers, did we mention that? And oh, also they uh, just got out of jail because they beat up their last landlord, be- <laughs> becomes... Becomes the seller's problem, and this yeah. is this is this is that is not a win-win deal. That's that's you know that's one win, and the win is for you, and you're gone. And that is what we are that is what we are uh, after not doing. So we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to do these deals both profitably and ethically. We're also going to take your calls about the cooperative lease option at 772-9658 if you're here in the greater Cincinnati area, 877-772-9658 if you're listening to us on the web, or you can send us an email by going to askvina.com. Support comes from the Senior Life newspaper, a monthly newspaper serving and entertaining adults 50 years and older throughout greater Cincinnati. This month's issue features articles on the Cincinnati Opera, a former professional wrestler, Cincinnati Reds tour guides, and Blue Star Mothers honoring soldiers since World War II. 
Copies of Senior Life newspaper are available at Kroger and other grocery stores, senior centers, restaurants, retirement communities, pharmacies, and libraries. And we'll take an opportunity here to check on traffic. We just have one accident. It's in Kentucky, near Verona, Kentucky. Northbound 71, just before the Verona split, at the south end of that split, there is an accident. So if you're heading up from Louisville, watch out for that. As far as the disabled, we still have one on South 75 at Galbraith on the left side, and we still have a disabled in Kentucky, West 275's ramp to South 75 in Erlanger. Uh, the usual spots, slowdowns, but heavier than usual in Kentucky, West 275 at Dixie over to 75. Your forecast this evening, clear skies for the most part. We'll get down into the lower 70s tonight, and tomorrow we'll start off with partly cloudy skies, but there's a chance of some showers and thunderstorms later in the day tomorrow, along with cloudy skies and a high temperature of 92. The chance of rain tomorrow, 40%. 40% chance of rain Friday and a 60% chance on Saturday, and then slightly cooler weather on Sunday. Right now, we're 93 here at 9089.3 WMKV. You can make a best friendship even better. Share WMKV with a friend today. We are at 89.3 FM or anywhere in the world at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Joe McCall, who is from the St. Louis area, by the way. I did not mention that uh, up front. That's why he's on the phone with us instead of here in the studio. But he has uh, perfected a strategy that um, has has uh, righted his real estate business, uh, even, even through the uh, big post-bubble price corrections and so on and it's called flipping lease options and the idea is if you're just joining us that you find appropriate properties to lease option and then you find an appropriate tenant buyer to lease option them and you uh you flip it from the seller to the buyer kind of like a kind of like an ugly property only you don't have to wear face masks when you go into these things but there is a there is a twist here which is that when the deal is said and done, uh, you, the investor, have been paid. You don't have you don't have future income coming in the way you would in some sandwich lease deals, but the seller and the buyer are still together. So, the uh, the ethical discussion here is about how in the world, Joe, do you make sure that this is a good experience for your seller and your buyer? Well, you, no, you can never guarantee that it will be. Um, the first thing I do is I explain to the seller in a lease option that I, I tell them what I'm going to be doing. I don't hide anything. I'm going to be finding a tenant buyer and assigning my contract to them. Um, and I, I tell them of the risks of... Uh-oh. <laughs> we just lost Joe. And I have the sneaking suspicion it's Mike's fault since I he picked, uh-huh. he picked up the phone just before... Just before... Yeah, but somehow, somehow... Somehow you did this. I'm 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 certain it's you. So we'll get Joe back in just a second. And uh, in the meantime, if you're listening in either live or on the podcast, uh, you might want to take a minute and go to askvina.com. And uh, when you go there, not only can you ask any questions that you might have for real life real estate investing, but you can also click try Vina's free e-letter. And uh, if you 
go to that little tab and fill out the response form and then fill out the email that will be sent to you that says, is this really you or is this a friend trying to sign you up for everything? Then you will get uh, weekly e-letters from us here at Real Life Real Estate Investing as well as information about all sorts of upcoming events in the real estate investing world and our occasional free reports and ebooks that uh, we develop here from time to time in response to listener questions and so on. That's asfina.com. Click the try the e-letter tab and see up on all the events here at Real Life Real Estate Investing. I understand we have Joe back. Joe, are yeah, you there? Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it was Mike's fault. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're just we're, it's absolutely convinced it's Mike's fault. Uh, so let's see. We were talking about uh, the buyers and sellers, and you cannot guarantee that nothing is going to happen in that relationship yeah. in the future because things do happen with people. But but I mean, come on. Let let, let let's face it. You you know better than your seller does who is a likely successful candidate and who is a yeah. likely unsuccessful candidate. Right. Well, I'll say this, too. I only sell maybe 50, 70 percent of the homes that I get under contract. Um, I mean, uh, assign my contract. I don't take the first person who can fog a mirror and has a couple thousand dollars. Um, I try to get as close to three percent as possible. Number one, for an option deposit, because, you know, the, the more they put down up front, the more likely they are to take care of the home, to stick around and to try to buy the house. Because that option deposit's non-refundable if they don't. Um, and then the second thing I do is I, I get their applications, I do a full background check, and I work with a mortgage broker and a credit repair company that review all my applicants and tell me whether this person has a realistic shot to get a mortgage in one to two years. Um, and I really, you know, I really do look for somebody that I think can get a, has a good shot of getting a mortgage in one year or less. Um, because, you know, just again, the, the chances of them getting a mortgage after the first year go down. But sometimes the sellers will tell me, look, I don't care if you lease purchase this home for 300 years, I can't make next month's mortgage payment. Just give me the best person you can in here that has a good income. Um, but when you have a mortgage broker on your team and a credit repair company, they can help you evaluate these applications and these credit reports and tell you, look, this is not a good risk. So I don't put anybody in a house that I wouldn't put into my own home. And I really rely heavily on my mortgage broker and credit repair guy. And they'll, you know, they'll turn down half of the applicants I get. Um, and the reason why I said I only wholesale about half of the homes I get under contract is because I, I'm really careful in who I approve. And I also let the sellers continue to advertise and sell the home on their own. Um, so if they lease it or sell it before I do, they can just cancel my option contract anytime. I don't want to tie them down or tie them up um, in any way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So you do actually bother, though, to both qualify the tenant buyer and then do further support with them as if they were your tenant, yeah, I put them in my credit repair program. I make sure that um, either I pay for it up front and then the tenant buyer pays me in monthly payments over the next 6 to 12 months, um, or I make the tenant buyer pay for it up front. My, my credit repair company charges about 500 bucks, uh, just a one-time fee, 
to work with them for a year, two years to get their credit. And the good thing about my credit repair company is they have a mortgage broker in house too. So they they really the mortgage on the mortgage side they don't get paid until this tenant buyer actually gets a mortgage. So they have a lot of incentive to help this person along. Um, but you know I I call previous landlords. I call, I verify their income, I look at their bank statements and paycheck stubs, um, and I don't put anybody in a house that just had a foreclosure or just a bankruptcy because they'll need three years probably, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking for people that I I've have, I feel have a good shot of getting a mortgage in a year or less. Sometimes I'll take them if, they, if I think they need two, but... Um, and also, and another thing too, I should say, I, I do, in my option agreement, um, I can assign my option contract to anybody I want. I don't have to get the seller's approval, um, but I'll still let the tenant meet the seller, and I'll ask for the seller's opinion and what they think, you know, and the seller will tell me. But uh, I've never had an instance where I found somebody that I liked and then the seller told me, no, I don't like them. Um, so that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let me let me play devil's advocate for a moment and... Um express the side of this that I sometimes hear people express when um, they're doing this and they're not going to the links that you are and uh, they, you know, have an excuse for that. (laughs) The excuse is, well, if my seller can't make next month's payment anyway, and if I tell them you know, if I'm if I'm just really upfront with them about I'm going to put the first person in it who 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 can who can pay me an upfront payment and can pay the first month's rent, how are they? How is the seller worse off than they were yeah. when they couldn't make next month's payment? And that's I mean that's that's the excuse I hear over and over and over again with these whether whether it's a it's a subject to deal or an owner financing deal or a lease option deal. I, I I hear the I hear the argument of if the seller isn't worse off and I make money everything's better. Well, I tell you what, in, in six months, twelve months, when things go south and things do go south on deals, they're not going to remember that. <laughs> the seller's not going to remember that they were almost facing foreclosure and you saved them from foreclosure, and the tenant buyer's not going to know that. Um, so when deals go bad, and they do sometimes, nothing is without risk. You know, the, the reason I love wholesaling and lease options is because it, it is probably one of the most risk-averse methods of re- of investing in real estate. But, um, you know, when things go south, you, you want you, you don't want it to look like um, a year down the road that you took this deadbeat um, because you just needed to get somebody in there quick. It just wouldn't look good, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely not encourage people to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's 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 always the whole question that one has to ask oneself when when hearing about any strategy where uh, the 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 big attraction to it is oh there's no risk to you there's no risk to you the investor and that is okay but what value are you providing yeah if if you if you're if you're involved in a strategy where the only value is to you as the investor. <laughs> As in, you took yeah. you took all the money that was going to be taken out of the transaction, and and then you disappeared. Um, not only does does that present real problems in court, if 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 anything like that ever goes to court, it's an unfair trade practice when you walk out walk away from the situation being the only one who got anything good out of it. But the, the, the other question would be, why do you exist? 
if, if the only person getting anything out of the transaction is you, what go go find another business? I mean, what's what's good about that in the world, right? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's a good way to look at it. When we when we come back, uh, we're going to. Uh, talk a little bit more about the strategy itself and uh, some of the some of the credit repair things that you do and uh, what kinds of properties we're talking about. I also want to invite listeners to give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send an email via our website at askvina.com. Support comes from the Carnegie Visual and Performing Arts Center presenting Nancy James Sings Rosemary Clooney a musical and visual retrospective of the life and song of a Kentucky legend. Arts luminaries Nancy James and Carmen DeLeon celebrate classic Rosemary tunes, including Tenderly, Hey There, and This Old House, Thursday, June 16th at the Carnegie in Covington. Tickets at thecarnegie.com or 859-957-1940. And we check on traffic now. We have an accident North 71 at Ray Street which I guess would also be eastbound Fort Washington Way. Not sure why they didn't, don't just say that, but apparently the left two lanes are blocked, eastbound Fort Washington Way at Ray Street, which is near the Paul Brown Stadium end. Uh, let's see, westbound 74 near Harrison Rybolt, an accident involving uh, a car on each shoulder, and north 71 north of McMillan, an accident on the right shoulder. Still have two disableds causing problems. One is in Erlanger, Kentucky, westbound 275's ramp to south 75, blocking the right side of that ramp. And on the Ohio side of the river, south 75, south of Galbraith, blocking the left lane. Among the delays, 271 northbound at McMillan, 71 southbound at Pfeiffer, 75 northbound out of downtown through Paddock, and 75 southbound at Lachlan and again at the bridge. Your forecast tonight clear with a low of 72. Tomorrow we'll get some rain or possibly get some rain, a 40% chance we'll say in the afternoon, to, but otherwise high uh, with a high of 92 with uh, partly cloudy skies and humid. For Friday, mostly cloudy and humid with highs in the upper 80s and a 40% chance of rain, 60% chance on Saturday, and then we cool off a little bit on Sunday with partly cloudy skies and a high of 82. It is 93 here at 89.3 WMKV. Well, welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Joe McCall, who, amongst other things, is the author of a course called Wholesaling Lease Options and who is going to be... Mike, do, do you need to... Do you just need it's to go home? Out, okay. You need to You need to just go to take a nap or something? What? What's going on? I know you just started at this job and everything, but geez. We never <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> he's the author of Wholesaling Lease Options. He's going to be a uh, featured speaker at the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association annual convention on November 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th in Columbus, Ohio. Of course, we'll have more information about that as the event gets closer, but you are going to want to save the dates on that because uh, we got a lot of great speakers and topics for the post-bubble real estate world. Because, um, Joe, I'm, I'm starting to feel like in the last 9 to 12 months, people are starting to figure feel like they've got the post-bubble world figured out. Boy, you know... <laughs> Have we hit the bottom yet or not? I don't know. I don't think so, really. But um, that's, you know, 
you just don't know what the market is going to be like in a year or two. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that brings me up to something else that's important, too. I don't kick my tenants out if they can't get a mortgage in one year or two years. In other, if the, and I think that's really important for ethics and integrity because in Texas specifically, that's where a lot of investors got into trouble. And that's why the laws in Texas are so um, strict for lease options. Um, you can still do lease options in Texas, by the way. I've read the law very carefully. You can still do them. But they're treated more like contract for deeds. But the reason that all came about is because so many investors were taking advantage of tenant buyers. They were putting them in homes they shouldn't be. And then after a year when they couldn't buy the house, they actually evicted them and, and kicked them out and put somebody else in there and kept on doing that over and over again. And, um, you know, some people who teach lease options talk about the benefits of kicking somebody out because then you can get somebody else in there and get another deposit. Well, that's not the goal. The goal is to get somebody in there as soon as possible uh, and that can has the best chance of qualifying for mortgage and buying that house. And if you keep that in the forefront, um, you'll keep out of you keep yourself out of a lot of trouble. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this is this is by the way this 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 whole concept of lease optioning is going to be a growing business for at least oh the next ten or fifteen years. Um, I agree. And it's yeah. not it's not it's not you know I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to forecast. I'm just telling you what happened last time. It was hard to get money, which, which is when you know when I when I started in this whole real estate thing in the late '80s, uh, it was very difficult to get money. Not so much because, uh, well, the 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 stand, the, uh, the qualification standards were about what they are now, but the problem was interest rates yeah. were were very high and they were they were coming down. But gosh, I remember when we used to take over thirteen and a half percent adjustable loans and think that that was awesome, you know. Um, and, and it was it was it was very tough for somebody to save up the the twenty percent down that that one needed at the time to get a really decent, you know, meaning only eleven percent fixed rate loan. And so uh, a lot of buyers use lease options to do that. You know, I can live in my house now. Right. I can use that time to save up money, improve my credit, all that sort of thing. And they were extraordinarily hot. In the late 80s through about the late 90s when subprime money became so widely available and they are becoming extraordinarily hot again and will be on the the tips of everyone's tongues in another four or five years. In another four or five years, <laughs> homeowners will be asking for them as opposed to you having uh, to to advertise for them. So yeah. that's just, you know, one of the one of the many things that that we can forecast based on what we now know is uh, going to go on in the real estate world for the next decade, which is going to be, money's going to be more difficult to get than it, significantly more difficult to get than it was in the first part of the last decade. And uh, yet yet people are still going to live in houses. I will also, I, I will say right here on the radio where we are being recorded that people are still going to need a roof over their heads for the next 10 to 15 years. And I will, I will bet, I will bet anyone who wants to bet me $10,000 on that. Well, the population of the U S they say is going to double in like what, 30, 40 years or something like that. Where are those people going to live? There will always be a demand for housing. Um, the, the tricky part is, um, the, the listening to the market, letting the market speak to you, not trying to fight it. And I think that's why the strategies worked so well for me the last few years is because, um, I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall, and it wasn't, it wasn't brilliant or anything like that, but I saw it, and I thought, I think this is an easier way to wholesale properties. 
and I started doing it. And within a couple, three months, um, my part-time income doing it surpassed my full-time income at my job. Um, but one other thing I wanted to say, you're talking about the market. We just, I just read this the other day in the paper, the, um, the, the rate of the housing price decline just surpassed the Great Depression. And you know how long it took homes to come back to recover after the Great Depression? 19 years. <laughs> and when a property falls in value 50%, it's not like it has to increase in value 50% to go back to where it was. It has to go up 100%. So if these values have dropped on, on average over the nation 30 35%, I think it is now, 35%. It takes what, like 70%? I don't, I don't remember the math, but it's, it's almost double that to get back to where it was before. Yeah, I think if you it, think about that, it's staggering. I think if it drops in value fifty percent, it then has to double in order to get back to to where it was. Correct. And and right, and, right. and and yeah. So so if you acquired your home in two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, uh, it's still a bad time for you. If you're acquiring properties today, at today's yeah. prices, <laughs> you know it's 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 taken the loss. You bought you bought the used car. You didn't buy you didn't buy the car, roll it off the lot, and have it take a an instant two thousand dollar drop in value right so right. uh yeah a lot of a lot of real good things about the market um a lot of scary things about the market for people who've been in it for a while but uh what i'm starting to see now is that that in the back room at real estate association meetings people are no longer standing around uh, being frightened and bemoaning you know what's going to happen they're saying this is what i am doing and it is working and if it if it stops working because this this happens here's my next plan you know it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no longer this sort of big scary thing out there uh that that nobody knows how to deal with um so uh, back to the back to the flipping lease options concept so in this idea of um ethical equals really win 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 we want it we want a three-way win here we want one for the investor one for the seller one for the buyer uh a win for the seller is i don't i don't make my payments anymore because someone else is making them yeah i have my house taken care of somebody's paying the utilities cutting the grass all that sort of stuff and ultimately it does sell that's 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 the win for the seller uh the win for joe is i get my three thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or whatever whatever the negotiated number is uh for for placing this person the win for the buyer though is i get a house i can afford it i can ultimately buy it often through the help of of as you said credit repair but you know part of the part of the making of the win-win-win situation is the kind of property you choose in the first place so mm-hmm. let, let let let's let's talk about that because I have this feeling that the buyer is never going to see a win in moving into a house that the roof leaks and the plumbing leaks and it needs twenty five thousand dollars worth of repair and they don't have twenty five thousand dollars. Right. Well, that's a great thing. I I go after nice homes and nice neighborhoods, and I love the homes in good school districts, and I love the median priced homes, the homes where. Um, most buyers are. It's a fact in real estate investing. You can only sell homes people want to buy, and it's so easy to forget that. You know, think about that. You can only sell homes people want to buy. So I target homes that people want to buy, right? They're in the median price range. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm not, if a house does need some work, there are things you can do, little creative things you can do to incentivize the tenant to fix them up. I've had deals where the tenant actually 
uh, fixed the home up before they moved in and it got it to pass inspection. So the tenant actually fixed the home up. Um, so I've done deals like that before, but for the most part, um, I use I get nice homes, and I also require the tenant to get a professional inspection done on each house. Oh, what a great idea! And one of the um, the best things about lease options for tenant buyers that not a lot of people think about is they get to try the home before they buy it. And I get questions sometimes from tenant buyers saying, "Well, hey, what if the the value of the home drops twenty percent?" And I tell them, well, then you should be glad you're only doing a lease option, and you, <laughs> you should be glad you didn't buy it. Be- because and what another thing, too, is like let's say you were to go out and buy a house with a mortgage, and you find out after you buy it that it was built on top of a radioactive uh, waste dump. Um, there are severe foundation problems, and there's lots of termites. You can't go to back to the bank and say, hey, I don't want this house anymore. Give me my deposit back and give it back. You can't do that. So one of the biggest advantages of a lease option for tenant buyers is they get to try the house out before they like it. Now, they do lose their deposit if they don't buy the home, but it's much better to lose that deposit than get stuck with a house that you've already bought that you can't get out of. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, putting putting people in houses that they're likely to want to buy in in the future uh, and be able to buy uh, is is a big part of the success from the point of view of the buyer of the property and you said you know you like great homes great school systems it, it, it's it's important for your win as the investor uh, to make sure that you're getting properties in areas that you are likely to be able to get them lease option to someone else and that's that's typically yeah. not going to be your low income rental area uh just because there aren't a lot of people who will live there for two years and then say yes i'm going to go get a loan and 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 buy right. this property uh but i think i think another another piece of it has to be uh screening the tenants to make sure that they can they can realistically do this because you know i've had i've had people i've had people who literally were making $1250 a month on ssi and wanted to move into a $750 a month unit no. and couldn't couldn't understand no. why i didn't think that was a good idea from from their point of view so what kind of process do you go through in in screening these tenant buyers the most important thing is can they afford the house and that's when I rely on my mortgage broker because I want to know, all right, this, the option price of this house is 150 They're going to put down, you know, 3.5% to get FHA loan or 5% or whatever. So can they, with their income right now, can they qualify for a mortgage? And the good thing now with mortgage standards or requirements, um, you, you can't qualify for a mortgage unless you can afford the mortgage, For the, I'd say for the most part. So I, I want my I'm relying heavily on my mortgage broker to tell me, yeah, in a year or two, their payment is gonna you know, if rates stay about this area, they'll be their payments will be around this and that is within the good good guidelines they should be able to afford it. Um so that I think is the most important thing. So then you verify their income and you look at how long have they been on the job, um, do they have good references from previous landlords? You can look to see if they have judgments in their credit report. Like if they have a bunch of judgments of un- unpaid utility bills, uh, you know, fifty hundred dollars here and there for cell phones, or you know, that's not a good person to put into a property because they can't even pay their 
small utility bills and they have a bunch of judgments, they may have good income, but I'm still not going to put them in the house because they're just not financially ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. <clears throat> when we come back from the break, we're going to answer a few uh, questions that have come in here via email. We'll also take your calls, listeners, at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina.com. It's getting here very quickly. The Artie Shaw Orchestra Dance and Concert, June 21st. This is the official touring Artie Shaw Orchestra performing at the Coping Center on Mill Road on Tuesday, June 21st from 7 to 10 p.m. This gala dance and concert promises to be as exciting as our Glenn Miller event. We'll again have the dance floor open and all ticket proceeds, $25 per person, benefit WMKV Public Radio. A cash bar and snacks will be available. There is ample free parking, and it promises to be an unforgettable evening of incredible dancing and wonderful music with the officially sanctioned Artie Shaw Orchestra. Join WMKV for this wonderful evening. Please get your tickets early. You can order at 513-782-2427. And tickets can be had securely online at WMKVFM.org. Thanks for supporting WMKV. Maybe it's the heat, but all of a sudden, a ton of accidents. Accident South 75, south of Hopple on the left side in the left lane. Glenwood at Harvey, an accident with injuries. North 75, north of Harrison on the right shoulder. Fort Washington Way at 71 on the right shoulder. Uh, Also, eastbound Fort Washington Way at Paul Brown Stadium. That's the Race Street overpass, an accident. West 74 between Harrison Reibold, or just before Harrison Reibold, on the right shoulder. All the travel lanes are reopened, though. And North 71 north of McMillan on the right shoulder. Slowdowns include West 74 approaching the Harrison exit. Your forecast this evening, clear a low of 72. Tomorrow, uh, partly sunny in the morning, but some showers possible. 40% chance tomorrow's high, 92 degrees. It's 93 right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're talking today about flipping lease options and, yeah, how to make money, but also how to make it a win-win deal for everybody else. We're taking your questions at 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. You can also send us a an email by going to uh, askvina.com. Askvina.com is the email address. Or you can call us if you're outside the greater Cincinnati at, area at 877-772-9658. Um, we have an email here, Joe, from Danny, uh, which I think might be a woman. It's D-A-N-I, uh, in Pennsylvania. And her question is basically around the idea of whether you need a real estate license to do this. She says, in my community, anyone who leases properties on behalf of other people for a fee of any sort has to have a real estate license. Uh, is that true in this strategy? You want me to answer that question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, ideally, yes. Okay. All right, I'll take a stab at it. It depends. It depends on the state, and it depends on how you interpret the law. I mean, the way I do it is with option contracts. I have a property under an option contract, and I'm assigning my principal interest to somebody else. Um, now, if you're an investor, you cannot 
you're not in the business of finding a seller for the buyer or finding a buyer for the seller. You're not representing anybody as an investor. You're only representing yourself. And my agreements are very, very clear that I'm only representing myself. I don't have to have the owner's approval to assign my lease option contract to somebody else. However, having said all that, I still recommend to people to get their license or work with a realtor, somebody who is licensed. And, um, you know, when you get a lot of properties, the last thing you want to do is take a bunch of calls from tenant buyers all day and drive around and show people homes or meet people there. So that part of the business you should be outsourcing anyway. So why not outsource it to a realtor? Um, There's a lot of hungry realtors out there, and uh, you could just have them sell your homes for you. Um, So that's, that's what I recommend to people. I do not have my license. Um, but I'm very upfront, and I tell everybody that I don't have my license. Um, and if you if you are licensed, you can do these deals too. You just have to disclose that you're an agent. I have friends and students that are realtors, and they're doing these deals as investors, and they're also doing these deals as realtors with listing agreements, and they're making the same amount of money. If you're doing these deals with listing agreements, you just want to make sure that you're in the listing agreement. You're it's you're collecting your three percent commission up front when you place the tenant buyer and you're collecting your 3% commission on the back end. And hopefully you have a broker that uh, lets you keep hundred percent of your commissions. Um, you know, you may have to pay a higher monthly fee, but mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of friends who are realtors doing these deals just as listing agreements. They have a sale contract and a lease and um, they're making money as a commission. So does that help? Does that give a, mm-hmm. I'm sure you have something to add to that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the, there's always the um, the principle in the transaction uh, question. You know, are are yeah. you are you or are you not a principal in the transaction? Can you defend that I, I have a true I have a true interest here in the property itself via a contract via an equitable interest of some sort, et cetera? And you know, there's always there's always uh, uh, states that from time to time interpret interest as meaning something different than what contract law would say <laughs> and they say no yeah. no you, you can't you can't just have an option you have to actually own the property and you know and then that that attorney general goes away and so does that translation of the law so the the safest thing you could do is make sure that you've got a written contract i can, I can promise you if you're out there doing what joe's doing and you don't have a written contract and you're ever uh, reported to the board of realtors that uh, you're going to lose that and yeah. they will they will give you a cease and desist order and they will uh, perhaps try and fine you or something of that nature if you don't have a contract it's almost a almost a guarantee um, okay next question that came in via email this one is from Ray in South Jersey uh, hi Ray nice to see you wow um, uh, oh, for goodness sakes, I clicked out of the freaking question. Oh, he says, okay, he says, uh, he says, um, I'm trying to sort of summarize this. It's a three paragraph long email. Uh, He says he's done a number of lease options over the years and he's always heard that he should collect 3% down, but most of the people that he deals with do not have the 3% down. Uh, Have you ever done anything like take the, take some of the option fee over time? Occasionally. In fact, I, I do it a lot less than I used to. Um, I try to get as much as I can up front. Now, if it's somebody that has very good income and they have a good... Another thing I look at, I should have mentioned this before, 
I look for somebody who has a good reason for bad credit. A good reason could be loss of a job, medical bills, divorce, um, something like that, or one time event that caused their credit to be uh, to be shipwrecked. So I'll still take somebody maybe if they have good income, good previous rental history, they have a good reason for bad credit. Maybe they only have 2%, and sometimes I'll take the payments for the other 1% over time. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll just um, let the owner collect those extra payments towards the down payment over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, you, one thing you should not do as an investor when you're doing this business is advertise bad credit, okay, you know. <laughs> um, we, we accept anybody. Um, we don't even check your credit because I see that people advertise that. And that's a bunch of BS. Um, you shouldn't advertise that for one, and you should that shouldn't be your uh, – you know what I'm talking about, Vina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, because if you advertise for that, that's what you get. Um. <laughs> right. And, and there are, believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there who have 3% um, to put down on a home. The, the problem is people who can't find those kinds of people is probably because they don't have a nice home that to advertise. Um, if you've got a nice home in a nice neighborhood, you're going to get a lot of people calling you on that and that, that have a good deposit to put down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, final question here from Chris in Macon. He says, I recently read a book that said that about one in three people will buy a lease option property at the end of the option period. Are you finding that to be true? No, I'm, my numbers are much better. And I have friends, uh, one specifically in Texas, um, who's been doing this business for six or seven years, and his numbers are up to about 75, 80% of his tenant buyers um, are getting mortgages. Um, I tell you why, if that number is true, one out of three, it's because we investors are not doing a good enough job pre-screening these tenant buyers, number one. And number two, we're not putting them into an aggressive credit repair program with a mortgage broker. Um, Now, credit repair has been shady you know, it has a bad reputation and well-deserved in many cases. But there are a lot of really good credit repair companies out there and mortgage brokers that operate with integrity and aren't just out there to milk a bunch of money from people who do sit down and counsel these tenant buyers and tell them what to do, what not to do, how to get some secured credit cards, you know, build some new lines of credit. And so you really want to find somebody who is going to help this tenant buyer get a mortgage and I, I like having somebody local, somebody that I can go sit on their desk and say, hey, give me an update on these six people. Tell me how things are going mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I want that tenant buyer to know that, hey, I can call this person up. Uh, I can go meet with them in their office. I can go call them up and talk to them. Um, I, I think that's really, really important. Great. Well, Joe, appreciate your sharing your knowledge with our listeners uh, this afternoon, and I look forward to seeing you at the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Conference in November. Again, my guest today was Joe McCall, author of Wholesaling Lease Options, and uh, uh, we will, of course, see him uh, coming up at the OREA Convention in Columbus. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.
is 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Local 12 News at 6 is next. Parents and officials in a local community are